0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And then one day me and Aaron just had this conversation about the BBC News music and he was like oh well what are you you know why didn't you do some kind of drum cover of it because us drummers love a drum cover. Um, so I was listening to it I was like yeah you know it's a great song it's like it's such a banger. And at the time, people were hearing this music every single day, whether they liked it or not, because of covid. And, mm. you know, it became this thing that it was quite an emotional piece of music for a lot of people. So I wanted to kind of try and make it a bit more fun. So went out in my garden, set up my tripod. I was doing my weather forecasts from home, did this really like camp ending of a weather forecast. then, ran out of shot and then ran into shot in the living room with a drum kit and just massively overplayed the drums for the BBC News theme. And did it in like two takes, didn't think too much about it, but it just changed my life day.
1: Welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell. Today's guest is the fabulous Owain Wynne Evans, who's also known as the Drumming Weatherman. Owain has been a BBC presenter for 15 years, but he really found his fame when a video of himself playing the drums to the BBC news theme went viral online. This gave him the platform for the BBC Children in Need 24 hour drumathon, where Owain raised three 8 million pounds for the charity. How fantastic is that? Oain was a great guest. We had such a great conversation. He's got an amazing personality and a real love for the drums. You can really tell. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure that you're following the podcast on social media. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And make sure you're following Oain as well, because he's really entertaining on there. Enjoy the episode. Cheers. So welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. My name is Dane Campbell. I am your host today. And today's guest is the fantastic, fabulous Owain Wyn Evans. (laughs) Dane, how are you? Thanks for the intro. I loved it. (laughs) Well, well, I've tried my best. You know, um, I'm really good, actually. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Um, How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm great. I'm really good, thanks. Um, I'm back in Cardiff now, which is lovely, having like... Moved around the u k doing various jobs for the past couple of years, but it's so lovely to be back in Wales and um yeah, to hear a fellow Welsh accent as well
1: well it's it's a shame here as well, because i I've had a few Welshmen on this podcast, but you know there's a lot of um I guess Englishmen and women and Americans, and I got a Canadian on last month. Um, so nice. yeah, it's, it's also nice to get a Welsh accent on back again. It's such a strong
0: one as well. Oh, absolutely! And it's so <laughs> like I've it's so weird when I don't know if you found this at all. You know, when you've been on your on your travels and going around different places, when you've got a very distinctive Welsh accent. You know, I kind of thought that it might change a bit, having lived out of Wales for like well nearly ten years. But it's just, I mean, you you can't shake it. I'm from Almondford in Southwest Wales. And like this accent, you know, ain't going anywhere. I don't think,
1: I think when it's that strong, I think, for I know from that area of Wales specifically, it is a bit more of a stronger, like I think I've got a strong accent, but I think in that area, I've, know, I've known a few guys from there over the years, all mm. um, like rock musicians, I suppose, uh, and they've all got very strong accents as well. <laughs> But, um, absolutely so oh, nothing wrong with that at all i think it's great and um and thanks for representing us um internationally as well um oh thank you dan i think it is no, so, it's... It's, it's great to, um and i know you've done a lot of work up like the up, uh, north of england so it must be really cool actually um representing us to the people who yeah. live up there every day
0: <laughs> oh totally and you know when i lived in so i spent a bit of time up in leeds and manchester and it, it was quite strange actually. They both of those places, you know, Yorkshire and Lancashire, really did remind me of home because you've got big kind of ex-industrial areas up there, you know, where mining was a big thing, or there were, you know, there were mills or whatever. And now a lot of those places over the past 20 years or so have completely changed, obviously. So that definitely gave me a real kind of feeling of almost like being at home when I wasn't at home. And also when I got a job as a weather presenter up in the north of England, before, you know, I've been a drummer since I was seven, but really before the drumming came back into, I suppose, my life in a big way. And before people realized that I was a drummer, um, I was working as a weather presenter. and, And I did think, I was like, oh God, I've got this super strong Welsh accent. I'm going to the north of England are people going to get it like are people going to like it but it, it's worked really well for me i've got to be honest you know people have really liked having somebody with such a strong welsh accent and sort of flamboyant identity and for me that's just been lush because that was a thing that i hid for years really
1: yeah and, that, and like that's one thing i think is Really cool that um because I've watched I've been kind of revising <laughs> some <laughs> watching some of the interviews you've done in the past and 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 like like you said you're um like you said you you kept yourself in the, the closet for a while like publicly um, yeah and 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 like really sorry to, to hear that you felt like you had to do that with your exposure um so one thing I wanted to bring up I was going to bring it up later but like for anyone that is listening. Uh, any drummers or any musicians or anyone who listens to this show who might still like be in the closet? Do you have any, you know, advice for them that might help mm. them take the steps to to, to come out
0: of it? Because I know it must
1: have been difficult for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it, it was. I think the weird thing for me was is that when I was younger, growing up in Armidale in the you know I'm 39 now, so when I grew up in the kind of mid 80s and then through the 90s, obviously there was no Representation as such. You know, we had like four TV channels. There was, if there was ever a gay person on TV, they'd be the butt of a joke or, you know, they'd be some (laughs) ludicrous over the top character. So that impacted on me and it took a really long time for me to like get that out of my head, really. And then, yeah, I went back into the closet when I was like 18, 19 when I first got my job in TV. And that was weird. So I suppose the advice would be is that coming out is it's it's such a kind of personal thing, you know, and it's it's a thing that people can't be forced to do. But unfortunately, are forced to do a lot of the time when people are outdid Mm. or you know, you hear about even even if you look in very recent history in the past 10 years, there have been so many cases of different like let's look at celebrities, you know, who have been outed by the press or whatever so i think that it's just a thing to remember to do whenever you're ready to do i suppose and also not to feel bad about not feeling ready to come out yeah because i think it's got to kind of happen at some stage but also and it'll probably never feel 100 percent like this is the right time to come out you know but for those listening who maybe feel like they're in that position i guess it's just to remember that It's okay to be gay. It's okay to be bi or anywhere on the LGBTQ spectrum, and um, just to remember that it's never as scary as um, as you think it's going to be. I suppose.
1: Yeah, that's that's really great. So thanks for doing that. As I know, it's a a difficult subject to talk about for some people, um, and I know you've talked talked about it before. um, And obviously, you do some activism as well. So yeah, what, what what and I know you do present. You do lots of um, presentation things. So what is it? what can you tell us that you've done to kind of help, well, the movement, but hopefully help with mm. the progression of it?
0: I think that uh, for me, it was like, because I didn't have the visibility when I was younger, you know, as a drummer, as a young gay man who had this weird, like, almost like a polarized identity where, you know, on one hand, I was, riding motorbikes around my friend's field and loved it and loved cars and i loved mechanics and really and drums and these things that i think in a very cliched kind of stereotypical way aren't associated with a lot of people don't think that they're things that gay people would be interested in you know which of course is like ludicrous really so over the years then i've just tried to show that yeah i can be this camp flamboyant TV presenter, radio DJ, whatever, but also have these other interests. And and I think when, uh, so I'm the patron of an LGBTQ charity called the LGBT Foundation, which is this amazing Manchester-based charity. They do uh, loads of work. Um, but they've got a helpline and having worked with them and seeing, you know, what it's like for, still like for a lot of LGBT people, especially trans people now, mm. it's really hard. Yeah. And music has probably been a bit of a haven for me. And I don't know what it is about, I think rock music in particular has this, and I'm speaking to Aaron, my husband, about this a lot, because Aaron grew up in Merthyr okay. and he was like a proper emo, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and I was like dipping my toe into that a little bit, but he put it really well the other day where he said that rock music, and I, I absolutely fell into this, is is almost like a haven for so many people, because you get people who are maybe feeling like they're a bit outcast for whatever reason. You know, maybe it's the way they decide to dress. Maybe it's the way they want to wear their hair or the tattoos they have, whatever, or maybe it's because they're they're gay. I think that there are there's something in rock music that brings people together. And I think and metal as well, you know, it's a, it's a very accepting kind of place. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. And I think I'm, I'm sure you've seen that as well over the years doing what you do.
1: Yeah, because I, I guess when you, if you talk about Merthyr Tidville, if if your husband's a similar age to, to you or a bit, bit younger, maybe um, mm. I probably was in a lot of the same circles as he was and at the same concerts and, and like one of the big bands from that town um, from that era was the blackout, which I'm sure you might have been familiar yeah. with, if, if he was like an emo kid or totally. whatever. And like, and like, I, I like I, I don't think any of the members of the band are, are, are gay, but the, the the visual aspect of them, and especially mm. they sing, they one of their singers, like was a very kind of flamboyant. Um, you had pink hair and all this stuff going on, and. But it was yeah. it was more accepted, it made everything more accepted, which was great. And 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 I've met um a lot of people in that scene. Um, and I think they felt include included in that and felt safe within that company and, and 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 that music scene. And I think I agree with you, everything about rock music and and heavy metal, especially is I would say one of the more most inclusive um uh, what do you like musical subcultures I suppose that I'm aware yeah. of anyway I'm sure there's others as well but I guess I'm a bit more familiar with them but um, yeah all, the, fest- all the music festivals I've been to it's great and everyone gets on and it doesn't matter like, like it's not important part of your identity it doesn't matter it's just like we're yeah. all in this together and we all love this music so let's just all have a good time
0: it's great 100% and even when you you look at the kind of you know night clubs or, or clubs are used to play that sort of music and you know still do i know there aren't as many kind of clubs around in the same way as they were but you know where go into places like um thin city in swansea you yeah. know and they they used to have like queer nights and and even when you were in there you know you would look around and you'd feel like it, they they play like all sorts of stuff you know like you'd be same with fallout boy for example you know a band that i i love they're amazing none of them are gay but somehow they've i think that it's probably just because of that inclusive kind of all of the weirdos you know which wherever you feel like you fit in that you know kind of within those brackets and a lot of lgbt people do Unfortunately, put themselves into that bracket because they feel like they're uh, on the uh, on the periphery of everything. I certainly felt like that. Can't mm. speak on behalf of everyone, obviously, but I think that the the kind of to answer you, the question that oh my god, you asked like about ten minutes ago, and I'm sorry, <laughs> I've gone sorry. all over the place. I think that just showing that you can be yourself and that's all right. Yeah. is an amazing thing and i really wanted to show that day and when i did the drumathon as well you know showing that you don't have to be a certain type of person to be a drummer you don't have to like this sort of music you don't have to be a, a, a man you don't have to be whatever you have to be straight which is why even though peppered throughout it all i was playing you know everything from like blink 182 carpenters we had a bit of acdc in there uh, but I I wanted to start it with Celine Dion, "River Deep, Mountain High," <laughs> and end it with Britney Spears' "Baby One More Time." You know, just to show that you can play the the drums exist anywhere yeah. and uh, in music, and even if it's like "Baby One More Time." You know, Max Martin, amazing producer, also a drummer. Um, the drum beat in that is like a really straight four four all the way through. But also, there's something. I, I tune into the drums of those songs and and maybe that's because I'm a drummer or maybe it's yeah. just because the drums are at the front of the recorded in a way
1: yeah I think well that that's what makes people dance and that, and a lot most of that music is designed to get people on dance floors and, and singing yeah. along so I think yeah it is you know and and even like dance music the the the, the drum or the bass drum thump it's the pulse it's the like the most I know there's lots of other stuff going on, but that's the thing, I guess, people dance in. So it is totally. really important and it's and whether it's programmed or whether it's someone physically playing a kit, it's so important for all styles of music, you know. I guess, yeah. Apart from a cappella singing or something like that, <laughs> I suppose. <which laughs> Definitely is, is slightly less relevant, but um, but yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. And um, and let's let's go let's go back to you briefly mentioned you, you started playing drums when you were seven. Is that yeah. Right? yeah, so that's the similar that's age for right. me. Actually, so that's amazing. So, who yeah. who kind of influenced you to play the drums? And and when you were learning, then did you have any particular drummers or or drummers in bands that you thought, oh, you know, that person is great? Or who, who your yeah. biggest influences?
0: I think I I grew up listening to everything from you know my parents would always have music on, and they'd have a there was a record player in the living room, and and we had everything from like it was mainly your like Fleetwood Mac, Wings, Beatles. But the one that always really stood out for me was the Carpenters. And and I love Karen Carpenter. I think she's one of the best drummers that you know we've seen. When you when you see her doing some of her drum solos, and she's absolutely like shredding the kit, you know. And she described herself as a, a drummer who could sing. But really, the Karen Carpenter that you saw. You never really saw that because I don't think it was really allowed for her to do that. So I think hearing about this woman who was a drummer and then hearing her play the drums on some of those songs, that must have lit something in me, I think, and must have made me think, oh, there's something there's something I probably wasn't thinking about it too deeply at the time because I was like seven, you know yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I wasn't going into the kind of identity things of it Dane but I think that the Carpenters definitely were a thing that that lit something in me I reckon Karen Carpenter was the one but then also growing up and listening to like Green Day and you know those sorts of bands and and Blink 182 and people like Trey Cool and, and Travis Barker you know these amazing drummers who were just going for it like you know incredibly kind of fast drummers I think as i got into the drums then they were the things that i wanted to emulate or they were the things that i wanted to be as a drummer but i never forget seeing my first drum kit when i was seven and it was in the school hall of Amundford um, for junior school and uh, it was a red pearl export kit How nice! And, and it was the one with the really deep shells that had like these weird chrome extensions between the lugs on the toms and um it just looked amazing you know it was all chrome and it belonged to um the father of two kids who were in school a guy called Brian Vaughan and Brian was the drummer of uh he, he would come in and I think he was drumming to the school we doing like Joseph or something you know and I couldn't take my eyes off Brian playing the drums and I remember the kit this red pearl expert kit he had a chrome snare and he had zildjian cymbals. and I think That was probably the moment when I saw my first real drum kit in in real life, where I was like, I want to play that thing. That looks amazing. (laughs) But but even before then, my parents had bought me a cardboard drum kit when I was saying that I wanted to get into the drums. And it was a little little thing, and I played it till it fell apart. And I think after I saw the, the first real drum kit then, that the cardboard drum kit didn't last very long because I was hitting <laughs> it harder and faster <laughs> from there on. Amazing.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, I, I guess that's, 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 it's great to and visually, visually seeing that real, I guess, adult kit
0: must have been an amazing computer. Yeah, to, totally. Like, and like, did, did you ever have a moment where you like, can you remember seeing your first drum kit? Because I guess you've always been around music, haven't you with your dad and with being musical
1: yeah, well, that's the thing. He did introduce it to us at a very young age. But I think one memory that I kind of have, I don't have it in a lot of detail, is when I went to one of his concerts and I got to sit behind their, their drummer's kit at the time. So it was Phil Taylor wow. was the motorheads drummer at the time. There was this gigantic drum kit. Um, it would have been three toms, two, maybe two floor toms, like all these symbols. And I remember I even maybe got to play it a little bit. I don't know if I could reach the pedals at that point, but... Um, But I think that must have been like a turning point for me to be like, yeah, I want to play the drums because he'd introduced me to guitar as well. And my older brother already played guitar, you know, quite well. Mm. And I don't think my dad encouraged me either way, but I think I must have just taken a liking to the drums from that point. or maybe before, but I think that was the real moment when I got to sit behind, you know, a a, a real drum kit. So, yeah, Yeah. similar, very similar story, I think. Um,
0: amazing it's all, a bit,
1: all a bit blurry but it was around that kind of age that i started playing and eventually um we did have a drum kit in our garage and we used to jam with each other so my older brother and my dad we used to jam and then the neighbors started complaining <laughs> uh, and, that, and they literally <laughs> sent, always the case they sent like the, the um the, the noise police basically to our street and they registered the dbs at the bottom of the street and said i oh, you know you could only play this between certain hours and we were being respectful you know in terms of the times of day we were playing but you yeah know, I, I think my parents were getting stressed out and they didn't want to you know prevent us from playing so they ended up getting us an electronic kit then so we had That's... that inside the house so we could we could jam together but at the lower volume so that yeah. that was when I really started like playing a lot then because I could come home from school and I could put on the headphones and you know I, I used to play along to blink 2 albums and things like that as well. So s- similar music nice. to you and um, yeah, that, that's really weird. I kind of um, imp- started improving a lot, I think, because I was spending the hours behind the kit. And but it was that electronic kit that allowed that to happen. Otherwise, I was only jamming with with my brother and my dad. But like, I remember mm. we had a, like a hi-fi system next to the electronic kit. I put a CD on, you you'd hook up the lead. You plug, you plug the hi-fi into the 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 brain of the electric kit, put the headphones on, and it was like back then. It was like, oh my god, this is amazing! I can play around yeah. the music. I know everyone Absolutely. takes that for granted these days, but it was a really cool feature back then. <laughs> totally. What was the kit? Can you remember what it was? The electric kit. It was a yeah. It was a Roland TD six, maybe. At the time, right. it was like it was it was pretty top of the range. I think at the time, yeah, mesh heads yeah. and everything. Um, oh, nice. It didn't have. The, the rubber symbols that look like symbols, it was just like the rubber pads for the symbols. But I, I right. think a few years later, they brought up ones that looked like symbols and like wobbled like symbols and stuff. But I didn't Definitely. get one of those. I didn't get one of those, but um, uh, it was amazing at the time, yeah. And um, nice. I, I think, and and yeah, so obviously, I, I think I've listened to say that you didn't have lessons, you were self-taught, is that correct?
0: Yeah, I was pretty much self-taught to a certain degree. Um, I and, and that came off the back of, like as you were saying about yourself, there you know, just put in a CD play, put in a CD or a cassette actually into the cassette player. I my parents then bought me this amazing. Uh, it was just I think every every drummer remembers their first drum kit, right? Like their first proper acoustic kit, and it was like Brian's kit. It was it happened to be a red Pearl export kit. Ah. They secondhand. They said there were two there. There was a white one, like an off white coloured one, and there was a, a red one. And it was when, you know, the fashion now with a lot of drummers anyway, I suppose, drums are a little bit, they're a little bit smaller, aren't they? Like this was a proper rock kit, yeah. you know, the toms were, there are pictures of me playing it. And because I was so small, the toms were lowered on the bass drum and they were literally like either side of the bass drum for me to be able to press the pedal and hit the toms. I see. This massive, like, you know, 16-inch floor tom. And it, it was just a, a gorgeous kit. Um, yeah and then i played that and then brian who i was telling you about earlier with the red drum kit with the extended lugs, um he was offering some drum lessons in his house so i went there for a bit and i had a couple of you know quite a few lessons off him actually and he really taught me how to speed up and how to kind of you know i was playing without my hands being crossed over to start with because Ah, okay it's what it's what felt kind of right to me because the hi-hat is there, the snare drum's there. Well, I'll just use these hands this way around. But then he was kind of getting me to play properly. And and I'll be honest in, you know, I, I've never been a very disciplined person, especially so as a child. So anything that felt like a lesson, I would often struggle with. But I probably stuck with those drum lessons longer than anything. Amazing. And I had, so that kind of took me from, being self-taught to you know being better and being faster and i eventually i finished the drum lessons then because i i kind of felt like i wanted to do my own thing again really so it was interesting being self-taught and, and learning how to play along to cds for years really before i then went and had these lessons with him and and the school were at the time things have changed now completely but you know at the time the school were never really supportive of my drumming and no, there wasn't a drum kit there mine wasn't I don't know if it was the same yeah I and mean, it, it, it must have been a, a thing of the time i don't know yeah. i think i
1: think when i got to like maybe when i got to like gcse level i think um one of the music classes is at a drum kit but like it was too late by that point you know i, I could already play mm. then but like for for me growing up it was just they promoted i guess the classical instruments and and you know xylophones and things like that you know that's that's what yeah. it was and i think keyboards were like as cool as we got in my school and then they did bring drums in later on so hopefully it's changed now and and well i know there's lots of young kids having drum lessons in schools now which is great so it's promoting yeah. the kind of the rock instruments as well as just the classical stuff but um yeah hopefully. i know what you mean so yeah obviously you must have got into playing in bands eventually and i know you're you you were in a band with a past, well, not with him, but one of my past guests, Adam Roberts. He said you used to share yes. the drum kit role for Magic Rooster Brothers.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Adam Adam's an amazing drummer, and obviously he's doing brilliant things now. And yeah. Yeah, the Magic Rooster Brothers. So um two good friends of mine and two good friends of Adam's as well, um, Callum and Gwillem, they've known each other for a long time and um yeah, Adam was playing the drums with them, and there were there were times when Adam couldn't make it, and I would help out, and vice versa. So they ended up having this like shared drummer situation. Yeah, and um, the Magic Rooster Brothers was amazing. And what was great about it was is that it of all of the bands that I'd been in, like cover bands that I'd been in before, which were you know the kind of typical schoolboy rock bands, you know the stuff that we wanted to play was. Mm-hmm really similar to what I was telling you earlier, where it might happen to be my favourite kind of things to drum along to, like Blink-182, you know, we do all of that stuff, and The Offspring. Um, nice. But then the Magic Rooster Brothers, yeah, like just very fond memories of just, you know, my hands bleeding because I was just trying to play this stuff over and over again, um, weirdly. Magic Rooster Brothers, though, was a very different kind of feel. It was more melodic. They, they liked, Gwilym had a, a little, like, a harmonica. And this wasn't mu- music I'd never really played before. So that kind of, it's really interesting when you're in cover bands, how a lot of the time you it's quite, you know, easy to stick to your genre, isn't it? Yeah. And do what you're used to doing. But then with those guys, you know, they would do kind of blues music and, Stuff I'd never really played before and I wasn't really disciplined to play that as a drummer but I you know stuck with it and, and got used to doing that then but yeah over the years the cover bands have been loads of drummers I'm sure have the same kind of thing where you know you you really want to do it and you really want to play in these bands but a lot of the time life gets in the way and I ended up working as a weather presenter this was like so yeah about 10 years ago now 10 12 years ago and and really when i started doing shift work then you know it it wasn't really working for me to be able to be up really late on some nights playing the drums and then have to you know throw on a suit the next morning and tell people what the weather was doing no Um, exactly so yeah i kind of went i i left being in bands then which i really missed in it was it was a, a thing that i loved doing but mm. unfortunately wasn't working with my kind of work life i suppose and i
1: guess when you get those kind of breaks and you're on television you've got to take those opportunities you don't want to be yeah. turning down things like that and obviously that's gradually led to where you are now which is you know a, you know a fully fledged household name you know tv and radio <laughs> presenters it's, it's amazing what you've achieved so congratulations for that and um, oh thanks
0: dan it's, it's bad great. it's absolutely bad
1: it is it is yeah it's but it, it shows you know with hard work and you take the opportunities you get um like i've always done the drumming thing i've dabbled in other things but i've always done the drumming things but it, like there's probably certain things because i'm in a drum and i've always been in bands I've turned down because I know it would negatively affect that. So it's good that you yeah. t- took the path that you did. And now you've started incorporating the drums back into, you know, the, the I guess the, the entertainment part totally. of, of what you've done. And that's great as well. Cause you, I guess your two, your two loves are
0: still, you're still doing hundred percent. Yeah. And like, as you were saying then, you know, there comes a time where a lot of people feel like they've got to choose, haven't they, I mm, suppose. And yeah, yeah it's been and, and the drums definitely fell fell aside for years you know and with that so did the kind of progression of my skill i felt anyway you know i can still i'm still quite fast but you know you 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 feel like you you've got to play the drums a lot i think and yeah. and you've got to make sure that you keep playing them and i've been very lucky over the past two or three years to be able to get back into that again
1: apologies for interrupting this episode of drum for the song i really hope you're enjoying it so far i just wanted to take a few moments to tell you about my patreon page this is a place where you can support the podcast in exchange for some bonus content you can head over to patreon.com forward slash drum for the song there are three tiers available at the moment one is three pounds a month one is five pounds a month and the other one is 10 pounds a month each tier grants you access to exclusive benefits which include bonus episodes early access to the main episodes private facebook group membership merch discounts discount on motorhead beer as well as a monthly competition to win motorhead beer access to skype chats with me asking my guests questions occasional free gifts like drumsticks free tickets to phil campbell and the bastard sons shows And your name in the episode description. If you regularly enjoy the podcast and think you would enjoy those benefits too, please consider signing up. If you didn't already know, I do everything for this podcast all by myself. So I do all the contacting, all the research, all the interviews, all the audio editing, all the video editing, all the artwork, all the uploading. I write all the descriptions, I build the website, everything is just me. So essentially, the money from the subscriptions helps me keep a bit of time free during my weeks so I can continue making the podcast for you guys. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. Check it out and enjoy the rest of the episode.
0: Drum for the Song podcast. How often do you get behind a drum kit and do you have to set practice time aside for yourself? I do it a a
1: lot less than I should and a lot less than what people probably assume um mm. like i've got i've got an electronic kit and a very small acoustic kit in my shed but it's not soundproof so i i can play the electric kit you know without bothering everyone but it it doesn't yeah. quite give me that feeling of playing a real kit and the dynamics of a real kit um so sometimes i'll just yeah. kind of go on the acoustic kit for like 5 minutes because i know it's it's quite noisy and i do it <laughs> in the daytime but i i, I think since I always make, again, I make excuses because I do this podcast and a few other things. Uh, the way I see it, 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 it kind of takes up the time I maybe could be practicing, but then I don't know if I would still use, you know, use that time to practice. If I've got like tours coming up or um, like I'm starting a cover band at the moment um, and we're learning some cover. Nice. So then that gives me an excuse to get behind the kit. Otherwise, because I'm not having lessons myself. I'm not giving lessons that I keep making excuses and, and reasons as to not get behind that kit. So I think you know, I guess yeah. this is advice for anyone listening. Just I think it is good to kind of set yourself a routine. Um, or like you asked me, I don't have a routine. If you say I'm gonna do an hour on this day, an hour on this day, and an hour on this day, you know, that's three hours of practice that I'm not getting. Um yeah. and you can really improve if you if you're practicing the right things in that time you can play for fun and there's lots of guys out there that have described or recommended actual practice routines where you 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 know you set out your hour into different mm. sections like there's a bit for fun there's a bit for learning something new there's a bit for technical or technique or whatever and then you end up with a bit of fun or whatever just because nice. like you can play along to your favorite songs but are you really improving by doing that if you can already play them, totally. Pro- probably not. So you need to push yourself a bit. But um I'm yeah uh, you're totally right. off on a tangent, yeah. But um I just no, it's, it's really interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, it's, definitely. It, I feel like I've been apart from one or two rudiments I've practiced recently to try and put them into my band, I feel like I've been at the same level for like the last 10 years, you know. And and <laughs> on, on honestly, and 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 I feel like I've wasted that time where i could have improved so much if i'd put the hours in and maybe mm. maybe got maybe got a teacher would have helped but but, but you know, know. what I'm you're doing, doing all right aren't
0: you <laughs> i'm doing all right. yeah that's the thing i think
1: i think deep i think that's what's deep down because i am in a band and i can just about make a living out of it it, it doesn't give you that mm. kind of desire to i think I th- you know you don't have the hunger that you would if you were trying to to make it if or if you if you're just learning and you really want to get to the stage where or I, I want to get to the stage where I can play a gig or I want to mm. get in, into a band, you've got more hunger and, and more desire to improve then. So it's meant it's a mental thing, I think. Um and yeah. that's one fault where I've been at my at my level of being in a band, being in a touring band, that I don't have that incentive to improve as much as I perhaps should i know i can play my own songs and as long as i can play them well on stage and make it look good and keep time as well as possible people think yeah i'm good do you know what i mean but i'm not but then i <laughs> totally. I, I, I play i share stages with so many bands and drummers and i'm like whoa i don't want to go on <laughs> after, after that guy <laughs> and it makes me feel really average then you know so i think that that's those opportunities and sometimes speaking to people on this podcast they inspire me a little bit um you've got to you've got to make the time really and and put time aside to do it that's Oh totally
0: (laughs) i was um no no i completely agree and i I think that the problem with the drums a lot of the time is exactly as you were saying like even you know like a professional musician like yourself you know it's hard to drums are so loud yeah yeah and electric kit like i got my i've got a dw kit that i've had converted to electric and um by joe becky and it's do you know what it's brilliant and whenever I take it into a TV studio the sound guys love it because they literally just you know plug a couple of XLRs into it or whatever and you know the whole thing as far as they're concerned is all mic'd up and ready to go obviously it's not exactly the same as an acoustic kit and but I think that for me that the drum kit is as much the sound it makes and as you say the little you know it's a different dynamic when you're playing an electric kit yeah playing a kit that's like big you know it it feels like a proper drum kit when I'm playing it because they're real shells yeah um and the symbols are metal symbols Takes me one step closer to feeling like I'm actually practicing on a an acoustic kit which psychologically is quite important for me I don't know why it's weird absolutely yeah it's more satisfying isn't it and
1: Yeah, you're going to sit on that stool for longer if you're enjoying it more, I guess. So that's really cool. I've heard about those Joe Becky Joe Becky kits. So it's essentially a um a trigger sensor underneath, underneath the is it like mesh heads or silent stroke heads or something you've got? Yeah, that's it. I've never tried it, and um, but yeah, so that's it's like you're triggering electronic sounds you're playing real shells and yeah it's, I've yeah. heard some good examples like on on YouTube of people demoing that and that might be a good option for me to to go into for my my little drum shed thing um definitely so what do you do with so have you've got you've got low volume
0: symbols then or have you got are you using real symbols well <clears throat> I'm using um Joe Becky electric symbols now ah. um so I've got um yeah the DW kit is there, two rack toms float on bass drum. the usual sort of setup. Then I've got a ride, two crashes and an effect symbol, which is normally like a China. Um, and I, yeah, obviously with it being electric, you can assign them to be whatever you want them to be. I really like the um, electric symbols because they, yeah, obviously they they don't move around as much perhaps, but they they're quiet and they're just, it's just been perfect for me doing my practice in and a lot of TV work with the kit. But a lot of the time when I go and do TV jobs and they want me to drum, they'll hire a drum kit. So there'll be an acoustic kit there that's mic'd up or whatever. So you're always getting used to playing on these different kits. But a lot of the time in especially doing what I'm doing where you know I'm not I'm not a professional drummer. I'm a presenter who plays the drums. Um people just want to see you thrash the thing. You know, they just want, they just want you hitting things and yeah. doing fast fills. So for that instance, it works pretty well to just use whatever drum kit they provide. But if I could take my DW kit with the Joe Becky triggers with me everywhere, I absolutely would because it's just, yeah, I love it.
1: Oh, good. Well, that's a good thing for people to look into. I don't think they've come up on the podcast yet, but it's um, something I'm definitely yeah aware of so yeah that's so that's the, the same black dw kit that i've seen on you do the, the news theme tune and all that on that's the in one the, in the house yeah crate. that's the, the famous kit <laughs> the famous
0: kit yeah <laughs> so like
1: well i'm just thinking actually like obviously most of our uk listeners will be familiar with you but i do have quite a lot of listeners overseas so do you mind like i know you've had a long career briefly summarizing the tv and radio career up till now just so they kind of know what you've done yeah. and
0: who you are absolutely <laughs> absolutely so i started off um after i left um, i grew up in almondford which is a town in southwest wales and then my delight when i was growing up was the, the drums but i'm also really interested in lighting and stage design and weirdly another kind of little passion project of mine is i collect like vintage disco lights and <laughs> Oh, well, it's like honestly, my poor husband as the dealer. Like uh, something will turn up in the house, and it's like a new light. And I'm really—I used to be—I'm still really interested in moving head lights, you know, like robotic lighting. So I've got a couple of old Vary lights that used to tour. That obviously these things are now redundant and aren't really used as much. So I've bought a couple of them, and they just—they're just lying around in the house, you know, because you can't really fire mm-hmm. them up because they've got arc bulbs in them, and they just, you know. Uh, drain power and you have to get like a console to run them but anyway so I was always interested in that left school went to uni dropped out because the course wasn't for me and then the plan was to get the grades up on the drums to maybe work professionally as a drummer because I I loved it but then when I was yeah just when I was 18 I got a job with BBC Wales here in Cardiff presenting a kids program and a news program for kids And I did that for the next 10 years and yeah, loved it. And you know, it was brilliant. Then through that, got interested in the environment. So then I started working as a weather presenter, got a job first as a traffic and weather presenter for Radio Cymru, which is the Welsh language radio station here in Wales, um, because Welsh is my first language. And then ended up because of the TV experience becoming a weather presenter. Then I got trained by the Met Office, did a bit of meteorology with the Open University and then almost became like a weather supply teacher where I would be like, if they needed a weather presenter in Scotland, you know, I'd fly up to Glasgow to do their weather for a week or they needed the weather in Leeds, I'd go to Leeds or I was living in London and me and Aaron moved to London. And then to condense all of that, I went back into news for a bit, but then weather was always the thing. Um, We were living up in Leeds, during lockdown. And obviously, it was a really horrible, you know, scary time. And people were, didn't know what was going on from one day to another. And I I don't know what lockdown was like for you. But for me, it was like, it was very scary.
1: Yeah,
0: And I was miles away from my parents as well, Din, and they were in Almondford, me and Aaron were up in Leeds, it was all locked down. So the drums were there, you know, in my house, and my poor neighbour, Joyce, you know, this was before I had the electric triggers on it. She had to deal with me, like, smashing that kit so much through lockdown because it was, like, it was what I was using was to vent. Um, and then one day, me and Aaron just had this conversation about the BBC News music, and he was like, oh, well, what are you, you know, why didn't you do some kind of drum cover of it? Because us drummers love a drum cover. Um, So I was listening to it. I was like, yeah, you know, it's a great song. It's like... It's such a banger. And at the time, people were hearing this music every single day, whether they liked it or not because of COVID. And, mm. you know, it became this thing that it was quite an emotional piece of music for a lot of people. So I wanted to kind of try and make it a bit more fun. So I went out in my garden, set up my tripod. I was doing my weather forecasts from home. Did this really, like, camp ending of a weather forecast. then ran out of shot and then ran into shot in the living room with a drum kit and just massively overplayed the drums for the bbc news theme and did it in like two takes didn't think too much about it but it just changed my life then, you know yeah. <laughs> that like moment of doing a thing just because it would be a bit of fun and then that video went viral and then from there I ended up doing loads more TV work because obviously I'm a presenter, so that was like what I do. And the drumming became more of it, and now I work as a DJ for uh, Radio Two, yeah. which is just brilliant. I love.
1: And, yeah. uh, and and for anyone from a from abroad, BBC Radio Two is the most popular radio station in the UK. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, so it
0: is. It's yeah. the most listened to station in Europe. So oh, it's wow. like it's pretty big, um, and I love it. And I. And I'm on the early breakfast show so I'm up early in the morning and you know we get amazing listeners doing all sorts of stuff from you know lorry drivers to nurses to people who are international listeners and um, we've got this segment called airdrum anthems where I basically every single day I get to choose a, a like a drumming anthem <laughs> and um, our listeners choose one as well and it's just been lush to bring the drums really back into what I love doing and be able to talk about it every day is just fab.
1: That's amazing. No, it's it's incredible that you've managed to fuse both things together and and and, and fair play for doing it. And I, I no, guess thanks. hopefully it might inspire new people to start playing the drums just because you show how fun it can be. Um, I yeah, guess it hopefully. Looks like- It always looks like a fun hobby, but I guess I think you give give it that extra special. (laughs) I don't know. You you just you just make it look so desirable to do. And 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 like and it's not all it's not all about perfection as well. Obviously, like when you've put the performances online and stuff like that, it's just about fun and and like you're thrashing about. But like ultimately, you're a very good drummer. I was watching your YouTube covers if you go on your YouTube channel so Owen oh, Evans on YouTube. There's a few uh, drum covers on it. I assume you were quite a, a bit younger then, but there, yeah, it was a Foo Fighters and Paramore and like all all bands Amazing. I used to listen to, and honestly, oh, still do listen to. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> so I really enjoyed oh. those. So um, I, you oh know, thanks, f- dane Feel free to yeah, make was, more.
0: Yeah, I I really should, and I and you're right. You know, the perfection thing is. You know, I never I never sell myself as like. The world's best drummer because it's the hobby. It's the thing that I love doing, and has now become part of my job, really. And and whenever I put videos up, I haven't got my kit with me at the moment because we've we've just moved house. So I go to a rehearsal room in Cardiff, uh, Music Box, and they're yep, brilliant. And they I just set my little tripod up with my light, you know, and I just play along. You know, the drums aren't mic'd up, so it sounds very kind of raw. And I people like it. It's just a bit of fun. Yeah. And and I think that. The one thing that I didn't mention in the career bit was the change of my life was the drumathon where I played the drums for 24 hours non-stop. And I think that weirdly, that positioned me then as a drummer, you know, people almost every day, if I'm out and about, like in a town or filming something, or even if we're going for a walk, someone will recognize me for that. And yeah. like, that's just amazing, you know, I can't get my head around it. And and
1: and just to highlight that, because that's an amazing thing, you, you raised over £3 million doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Three million. Bonkers, isn't it? Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> and um, I think I read it was like the, the highest grossing, grossing, I don't know if that's the right word, but mm. um, the highest amount they'd ever raised from like a like a, an actual event for yeah. children in need. So c- congratulations and thank you for doing that. And, oh, and especially at, at during that time where everyone was still a bit you know, a bit scared to go out to their houses and stuff like that. Because yeah. it was around that time. I remember the, it was winter and we'd had a bit of a summer and then yeah. they were scaring everyone again with the COVID. And, and it was, and I think, I, I think we toured around then and it was, we were struggling to sell tickets because people really? weren't, weren't willing to come out. And there was a lot of no shows and all the promoters were, you know, uh. saying, are oh, we, you know, we've lost money and all this stuff, but, but it was exactly that time it was like november time i guess
0: um it was yeah, yeah. so
1: yeah well done you're for right
0: that. oh thank you thanks a lot it was um <laughs> it was a thing that i was not expecting to be what it was you know and and i honestly if i would have raised 250 grand i would have been like over the moon because that's a lot of money you know it's a load of money but when it it's now at like 3.8 million which is <laughs> Just, like, out of this world, mad. That's mad. Um, And also, I got to meet... So, Mark Richardson, who I know you've had on the podcast, yeah. um, is a friend of mine. And Mark played such a huge role in the Drumathon because he um, was basically, like, the, the the coordinator, the music coordinator, when we did the Big Bang, as we called it, where we me and the 50 other drummers played the BBC News theme. Mark was the one who basically worked out what parts everyone would play and i mean mark is just the nicest guy and just an amazing drummer so meeting people like mark and you know sherry so say from simple minds and and actually becoming like friends with people who i've like looked up to was just also mad completely yeah. bonkers
1: <laughs> I bet I I like I was going to say what were your like highlights from that but yeah I guess meeting people like that and um some of the other drummers that were involved it was in, it was amazing that so many people got involved if you do another one give me a shout yeah. I'd love to get involved oh my god absolutely <laughs> I will 100% 100% honestly yeah I, I I remember there was um I I'm not sure if it was for that I think it was for an advert but there there was some there was some advert going on one of the drum forums you oh, know we're looking for drummers that, Collectively play together, um, you know. Send uh. your, send your details in and your photo or whatever. And I did it, and I didn't hear anything back. But I don't know. I don't know if it was for that or for something else. But um,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm not for
1: anything like that. But um, amazing, uh, amazing. Yeah. Well, obviously we're coming towards the end now, and uh, I've got um, a Patreon page, and one of my perks is that they get to ask you a question. So while we're talking about the Drumathon, I've got a question from David Rudd, was like, how did you prepare for it? because obviously you mm. had to play drums for 24 hours. Like I've never played drums for longer than 90 minutes in one go. So <laughs> so, so physically that was obviously a very demanding thing. And it, but his other question, uh, where'd you mm. buy your extensive range of snappy suits from?
0: Ah, two great questions there, Dane. Two great questions from, was it, was it David you said his name was? Yeah, David, yeah. David. Well, I, so the Drumathon to start with the, uh, like, you know, you, Dane, and like somebody like you, you're used to playing the drums for like long periods of time, like 90 minutes and absolutely thrashing it. For me, you know, I was now a person who was, OK, yeah, I played in those cover bands when I was younger, but I played, I'd go to a rehearsal room and like, you know, tap along for an hour or whatever, but never for 24 hours. So we had this amazing guy called um, Greg White, who is uh, um, basically is like an ultra athlete. And he does all of the children who need challenges. He mentors the presenters or whoever it may be the celebs doing it. So, Greg um, sat down with me and he was like, "Okay, um, we need to get you to a gym." So (laughs) I ended up going to. I had to go to the gym for I think it was about probably about four months running up. He put me on this kind of routine. Yeah, at the gym, and they were everything from like cardio stuff to the most hilarious exercises where you'd get like, let me see if I can get, get something to show you. You'd get like a dumbbell and I used to call them the limp wrist exercises because you'd have to basically do this. And I was looking like the campus thing ever in the gym, you know, just literally with these two little dumbbells doing this, strengthen all this. Yeah. Um, so there was that, but there was also learning to um, speak whilst drumming because I was interviewing people whilst drumming and listening to talk back. So learning to do all of this stuff. So that it took about, Three or four months. And then I was drumming for, in the end, about six hours a day just to, you know, get up to having the stamina of being able to do it and, and all of that. And then, yeah, it all worked and off coffee for two weeks before the drumathon. So if I needed to, if I was crashing, they were basically like lobbing coffee in my mouth, you know, <laughs> to get me up again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And as for the stints, all of my stints are just off the peg from places like like high street places or places like ASOS. Um I love brightly colored suits. And I've played the drums in almost all of them now and I've not wrecked any of them yet. Wow. It's the themes that, you know, tend to go. But they're all pretty good. Um yet yeah, I don't spend money on suits. I've never been one for designer clothes because I've never had clothing allowances in any of my jobs. Ah right so yeah. you know you buy them yourself and Things that look good on TV, always put a little bit of a brooch on, darling, you know, to uh, give I mean, it a bit of something something.
1: Yeah, and I've
0: noticed yeah. that. It's great. <laughs> it's
1: amazing, but that you know, that's your thing. And it gives you like that, like like I call it like a USP as a presenter. That's that's your thing, and instantly yeah. recognizable, and 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 you're more memorable for the for that as well. Which totally. is ideally as a TV presenter, that's what they want. They want someone to represent the show and that people want to see again. So 100% I think you think think you've nailed it there.
0: (laughs) Have you ever played, Dane, have you ever played the drums in a three piece suit?
1: I, I guess I've done a wedding gig. But not no waistcoats or anything. But yeah, I've worn a suit. It's horrible. But no, no, no waistcoats, I don't think. (laughs) Well, (laughs) actually, I played drums for uh, two songs at my own wedding.
0: Oh, so that, nice! That was, that was
1: fun. So that, yeah, technically, I have, but not not for a long period of time. <laughs>
0: must be very difficult. And, yeah, that, it's when, the
1: waistcoat. Yeah, that... must, it, it must be really restrictive. I guess. Totally in, in, in sorry, I
0: interrupted
1: ways. you. You go. Well, no, I was gonna. I was gonna say when I play a, a gig normally, I wear a pair of like gym shorts, like running shorts, really loose, really airy, and and like either a vest or like a, just a t-shirt. So because. I get very hot and sweaty when I play the gigs I play, especially yeah. in, the, in, the, in the in the summer in Barcelona or, or whatever. When I play these festivals, it can I get like a that. bit stuffy. So, yeah, I, I. I sacrifice my visual presentation for practicality when I'm playing gigs, but I know oh, some totally. drummers will still play. They'll still play in a pair of skinny jeans and a jacket. I'm like, I don't know how you do that.
0: <laughs> it, oh, especially doing the stuff that you do, you know, when you're oh. like, on stage in these yeah as you say especially in warm countries but even if you're just on a big stage where there are lights all around you it gets yeah really lights. hot i'm sure and like you've had i i've not really ever had the experience of this of being on a stage where there's like a you know a massive crowd of people looking at you as well i bet that energy also you know that can make you overheat a bit as well
1: absolutely and it makes you play faster which is bad <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we're, it is. we're a bit old school we don't play to like click tracks live we do it in the studio but nice. we don't do it we don't do it live which a lot of rock bands are doing now they're they're using live click tracks and backing tracks and stuff so I'm in control of the tempo pretty much so I have, I have to be careful because sometimes that adrenaline um from the, the from the crowd does make you play a bit faster which means you get hotter and sweatier and tired uh, totally more, more quickly but um anyway yeah that's, that's absolutely, really, that's really great. Um, we're coming to the end now. So, at, at the end of every episode, um, I ask this question to all of my guests. So, I do apologize in advance because it's quite difficult to answer. But if you could start <laughs> your own band with yourself on drums, you could have any musician or singer playing the other instruments in the band, dead, dead or alive. Who would you have in the band with you?
0: Amazing. That is a that is a tough one, isn't it? Uh, right, let me have a little think now. Who would I have? Well, I mean, I've already mentioned her. I'm gonna mention her again, even though she's a drummer. She was a drummer, rather. I mean, it's got, I'm gonna have Karen Carpenter on vocals.
1: Yeah, nice. Right.
0: We're gonna get, um, this is a very unusual band. I'm gonna then get Max Martin, who doesn't play live anymore, but used to. He was in a band called Alive, or I'm Alive, I think. Um, We're going to get Max Martin on the keyboards and the programming because, you know, I want a little bit of that going on. I want a little bit of synth there, Um, but that probably means I'd have to play to a click click track. Um, And who else would I get? Oh, uh, It's really tough. I mean, can we just go with, maybe we'll just stick to a three piece. Yeah. Me, Karen Carpenter and Max Martin. Why not? Have you ever had a combination like that before? It's a very weird combination i've had some i haven't
1: i've had people bring in keyboard players, but not like electronics. I've had Ooh. instrumental bands people have, have as you said oh well, I just want instrumental. I don't want a singer and I've had like people bring in brass instruments and things like that so yeah every it's amazing how everyone's completely different. The only person nice. that comes up a lot is Freddie Mercury he comes up a lot of course as people's yeah, favorite people's favorite singers and you know he was incredible so um
0: Totally, totally understandable. <laughs> but,
1: um, <laughs> Definitely, Oh, absolutely. Um, just thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'm sure you're very tired after your shift this morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, Dane, Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been so lovely to come on, and thanks for having me on the podcast.
1: Oh, absolutely, it's amazing. Um, you know, maybe we can now. You're back in Cardiff. If I ever see you about, I'll I'll say hello. And if you're ever at any events or something, it'd be nice to meet you one day. Or if you ever do another absolutely. drumathon.
0: Hit me up, please. <laughs> I will, 100%. No, we, we must meet, absolutely. I'm sure I'm sure we will.
1: That'd be great, yeah. Well, thanks and have a great day and, and we'll speak soon. Thanks a lot, Dane. Take care. Cheers. Bye.
0: Drum for the Song Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, Please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave me a review or comment, that would be fantastic too, as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at DaneDrums or at drum for the song or search for Drum for the Song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes, video calls with myself, competitions, discounts and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top tier Groove Master patrons, whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell, and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song!